0: Hi, I'm Dr. Kevin Cheng, founder of Asana, a health service dedicated to transforming lives through prevention. Over the years, I have reflected with colleagues on what we wish people did so they can avoid pain, surgery or developing a chronic disease. Often the answer lies in embracing a proactive mindset and putting healthy lifestyle practices into action. By doing this, the upside is not only better health but also saving us time, money and stress in the long run. In this podcast, I'm joined with my friend Saxon Piggott to chat with a new health expert each week. We'll cover practical ways to look after ourselves, how to prevent illness, and ways we can be inspired to live well. Welcome to Prevention Hacks, the weekly conversation where we go to health experts for advice so you don't have to. Welcome to Dr. Raj Anand. Um, Welcome, Raj, uh, to Prevention Hacks, which is Asana's podcast. You are a consultant physician in um, general medicine, uh, rheumatology, and also in pain medicine. And we're going to be talking about um, chronic pain today. And this is a topic that you know uh, very well. You run projects with uh, the New South Wales um, Agency for Clinical Innovation. Uh, You're on the Australian Pain Society. You also lead projects with at the International Association for the Study of Pain. So uh, welcome to to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Kevin. Uh, It's been a pleasure to join you guys and an opportunity to discuss about something which I'm very passionate about. Raj, what's the difference between pain and chronic pain? Um, I mean, pain in general, I think coming back to what is pain is a very important thing. And very recently, there's been a change in definition of pain. So maybe it'll be a good place to start over there. And uh, pain has normally been considered as a sensation, or uh, when a nail is hit into, or when you step on a nail, or touch a hot pan, uh, then we experience pain. And then many times we experience pain where there is no particular cause, uh, whether it's low back pain or chronic widespread pain. Uh, and pain has always been looked on as an alarm where uh, the body is at threat. Uh, whether it's a danger, whether it's true or a perceived threat, that's uh, the common message, what it passes through. But also very early on, it has been noticed pain is just not a sensation, but it's also an emotional response. And pain is just not a direct pathway of one nerve getting stimulated, uh, but it's the nerve which takes these chemical and electrical responses from the body. It goes through our spinal cord into our brain where it goes through different parts and it finally interprets that message, which is called as pain. So uh, the definition goes by saying it's an unpleasant sensory and an emotional response to a perceived threat, which may be true or which may be something which our body is trying to alert to. And uh, in the past, uh, it was always said something which we describe, but we know uh, that uh, people who are not able to verbally communicate, they are in pain still can experience pain and this applies to people who are either under uh, unconscious in the in- intensive care units or people with dementia or animals or uh, even infants and children uh, where they're not able to communicate, they still can experience pain. So uh, that's the basic uh, framework with which we deal with pain. And uh, coming to chronic pain, uh, there's a huge lot of definitions on what it means. Uh, and uh, it's basically based on a timeline, is what we would say. If the usual definition is if the pain persists for more than three months, uh, it's kind of uh, with where the cost has not been clear or the usual treatments have been applied, uh, then you call them as chronic pain. So it's pain that, that lingers? Yep, uh, that can be one way of saying. Uh, But again, uh, it's a continuum. Sometimes it could have been present for one day, but there are risk factors to say this is something which may be persistent for a long time. So sometimes the definition of chronic pain has its own attached stigma to it and attached fears to it. So again, um, it does have some value, but at the same time, we'll have to see what are the uh, downfalls of having the terminology or a diagnosis of chronic pain.
0: We see, we see pain as a very common presentation in, in all of our sauna clinics. And as we have an aging population, there's more um, arthritis, I suppose. Um, so aches and pains is quite a common uh, concern uh, or issue uh, in, in uh, a lot of our patients and members, particularly those who are older. Um, what would be the natural cause of uh, pain as it evolves? And part of this question is also, what's the worst that can happen to someone if you don't treat it well?
1: Um, It's a very broad question to answer. Um, I mean, the reason is uh, pain can be present from at many places. I mean, if you're dealing with chest pain, then I would definitely say call up the ambulance or Mm. seek help, uh, seek from your doctor. But again, every chest pain doesn't mean it's coming from the heart. It can be coming from your ribs. It could be coming from your back itself, the spine and the thorax, or it could be coming from the neck. So again, uh, there's always, uh, when, when it comes to pain is to see, it's always good to discuss with your health professional uh, just to see uh, what could be the possible causes. Is it something uh, which is posing an acute threat, uh, especially if you have any fever or if it's a pain which started after a fall uh, and uh, where the injury, where you think the pain is out of proportion to the cause of fall. Uh, or you're not able to move a limb, or there's any change if you're sweating, or you have a high heart rate, these are all changes or fevers, uh, I would say definitely contact your general practitioner or your medical team sooner rather than later. Uh, but coming to aging and pain, uh, I think a part of it is a myth that's not necessary that as we age, our pain levels increase. Yes, we do notice increased aches and pains, Uh, uh, which has been shown in prevalence studies, but our neural systems do kind of adapt with our aging processes and the way the pain processing system senses response to change. Um, There are many changes which we notice particularly in our spine and our joints as we age. Uh, Sometimes we do term that as osteoarthritis and uh, the thing comes as how much of that is just a physiological, a normal physiological response of our body and how much is pathological. And sometimes there's a fine line over there. Um, And also there are changes within our muscles and the ligaments as we age. So, and our nervous system too, which all lead to a combination of increased pain. Uh, But also one needs to be a bit more aware that our internal organs do change with age. So the medications and other things we take um, may not be the same as what we give someone who's much younger uh, because they can have other side effects. Mm. Is there anything people can do at home um, to help manage their pain? Is there any advice you'd have? Absolutely. I think there are, I mean, if you today look into Google, there are numerous uh, or in a search engine, there are numerous remedies for pain. And uh, I think everyone have their way of managing pain. Uh, One of the most things, uh, one of the most common and simple things uh, which does help with pain is to keep moving and uh, keep moving that part of the body. And just not that part of the body, but moving the whole body uh, is the most uh, important thing, particularly when dealing with chronic pain. And chronic pain uh, does not necessarily affect uh, one part of the body or it's not, even though the pain might be in a little finger or the toe. It affects that whole person, it affects their way they interact with their family, their life, their work, uh, can interact with their moods, their sleep. So the impact of pain is much wider uh, and uh, try to keep moving. And as we move the body, we are also moving the mind at the same time. And uh, that's probably the most important thing, the single most important thing is, how do we keep moving uh, despite the pain and not letting it limit our daily activities uh, in whatever form it could be. It uh, doesn't have to be a long walk, could be just a minute or two, uh, but keep moving uh, is the most important, single most important thing. Uh,
0: I found that um, sometimes the, because pain is so complex, Raj, uh, you know, the sometimes distraction or um, being sort of mindful, and I know that you're a, you're a <laughs> trained instructor in mindfulness, and so what would be uh, you know, two or three uh, things that you wish every patient would do before they come and see yourself or come to a pain clinic?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, definitely kind of having a bit of an understanding of what they're going through is always important uh, because uh, sometimes we lose meaning of what this pain is indicating. And many times uh, within our normal community, but within the professional and in the society, uh, when people are not able to find a direct attributable cause, uh, then they say your pain is psychological or emotional. Uh, but all pain uh, at one level has common pathways. So I don't think there is any point in differentiating one pain to another. Uh, coming back to diversional strategies, again, it's about seeing what ways they can help move in along with the movement, whether they want to use music or whether they allow walking in nature or even just looking out into the plain sky or the sea uh, could all be important ways of dealing with uh, pain. But just recognizing uh, what are factors which could be making their pain intensity high uh, is probably the first step uh, is that pain, whether it's in the knee or the hip, uh, is kind of influenced by factors beyond the pain and the hip. And that's the very first thing to acknowledge is, uh, the pain response and processes extend beyond the body part where they experience pain. Uh, we do know from different studies, like even just cutting off a limb or something and not necessarily solve the problem of pain. And uh, that comes even with joint replacements, like particularly with knee replacements, even though when knee joints are replaced, a still 30 to 35% experience what we call post-surgical pain. So all of this kind of brings back into how can we allow our own body Uh, to kind of reduce or maybe even uh, reduce that interference of pain or what comes into our attentional mechanisms. And that's where uh, these diversional strategies and mindfulness strategies become very helpful. Uh, Many times pain can set off a whole lot of subconscious responses like the fear, the anger, the guilt, or bring on other features of loss and sadness. So just being aware of that is probably... The first step, and uh, our brain has this capacity to kind of quieten down a lot of these sensations. Uh, what's a part of the post, in the back of the brain, or what we call the descending part of the brain, and uh, that's where a lot of our diversional strategies. Uh, as as well, one of the proposed sites of mechanisms on how, even the breath, like when we have a lot of pain, uh, just even taking slow, deep breaths uh, Right. Would be
0: a start. I was just going to follow up and ask if we don't treat uh, pain well in a chronic pain um, you know, scenario, is there evidence that um, uh, you know not getting in early early preventative treatment will actually lead to a worse outcome?
1: Uh, definitely, yes. I mean, I think there's a whole lot of uh, studies going on on how do we prevent the transition from acute to chronic pain when they mean acute is usually pain of lesser than six weeks to three months type of a thing in acute onset and how do we prevent? And again, uh, what they do notice is uh, the onset of pain or how long it persists may not always directly correlate with what we see on a radiological finding or what we see from a pathology point of view. Yes, uh, a, big, a greater surgery does can lead to higher level of pain but it's not always very concordant. Um, and there are different factors which can predispose to why uh, it leads to chronic pain. Two things, one is chronic pain has a huge burden on a person's life, whether it's sleep, mood, their ability to participate in their preferred choice of life activity. So it's a personal huge burden on them, but also the different interventions people try uh, can have a lot of side effects or even delay uh, getting a right treatment. And uh, uh, I mean, as I said, whether it's a choice of a medicine or whether it's massage therapy or a movement-based therapy or whether it's an intervention. Uh, sometimes it's about, there's no one answer to say, where is the switch off button for pain? Mm. Uh, and many times using that analogy, okay, pain is in the back of the knee, so let me just remove or get an operation of the knee, um, may not necessarily fix the problem of pain. And uh, it's about thinking, what else can we do? How do we address it even before we proceed for any intervention? And what do we do after the intervention? How long do we monitor it? And so uh, that's where uh, it becomes very important to have a good understanding of what all could be factors, uh, even in acute pain uh, scenario, to kind of see how do we best treat it? And uh, if things are not going as per plan, how do we introduce other strategies as we go on? Raj, I was going to ask you about the different options. Do you think uh, a holistic approach is the best approach? Do do you attack this kind of problem from a lot of different angles at once or or do you try different things and see what works? What's your approach? Uh, I think definitely, uh, I think uh, most people try uh, the simple approach but coming to pain uh, always, Uh, at least by the time they come and see me, It's usually a much more multimodal approach. And uh, the way sometimes I look at it is there is a soup of issues. Uh, It's uh, not as simple as like remove the salt out of the soup. In a similar way, it's very, very hard to kind of target and say, let's remove the pain and my life is completely fixed. And uh, it's never that scenario. So it's always about looking in a multimodal fashion. How do I improve that person's sleep? How do we improve their interaction? How do we allow them to dress up by themselves? Uh, How do we... Uh, look into the medication use, the side effects of the medications, Uh, how about the energy levels, the other issues associated with it. So uh, Mm. definitely a very multimodal approach. Uh, And I think even applying those strategies very early on become very helpful uh, because the longer we leave, we leave the nerve more sensitized and uh, uh, leads to more layering and more unpacking to be done later. Uh, So again, uh, putting on a whole lot of measures even early on still become helpful, uh, even like putting a heat pack uh, may appear like a simple step, but again, even that's one type of a diversion mechanism, but we can't rely on one strategy because nerves find other ways to communicate the message. So uh, that's something which I would say every one of us to probably develop as what do we have a whole range of tool sets of diversional tactics, it could be art, it could be mindfulness, it could be going for a walk or going for a swim. And when we're not able to do a sport, for example, can be a great way of diversion. Uh, But uh, when we're not able to play that sport, uh, if that was the only way we would, uh, our way out, uh, then we're going to be stuck. And so that's why having a whole range of ways to deal with it, uh, definitely become very
0: important. And, Thanks so much, Raj, and to to kind of maybe finish up on, looking forward into the future, um, are there any exciting developments that you're passionate about that would, you know, may potentially change the way chronic pain is being managed and out in the community or within the health system?
1: I think the biggest change uh, is the more multidisciplinary setup of practice. I think uh, that's the biggest uh, single change I mean, we know there's a lot of innovation happening from both interventional and medicinal aspects of pain, like with the introduction of cannabis, uh, which still remains a big topic on its own right, and probably we should have another podcast to discuss it, it's a whole thing of we'll unknown. We'll
0: definitely do one on cannabis. <laughs> uh, but but, uh, which is very topical, but
1: yeah. uh, again, there's a lot of unknowns there are coming to interventions such as spinal cord stimulators, and radio frequency. So there's a lot of innovation research going there uh, but I think uh, it's still about stepping back. I don't think there is one single switch off button that's gonna fix uh, the problem of uh, pain. The, o- the only way to kind of deal with it, which has been recognized right from over 50 years ago, still not come so much into clinical use, but I'm hoping uh, with the COVID and everything, the increased use of technology and telehealth would lead to more interdisciplinary care, uh, better communications between Uh, the person the medical teams the allied health teams and specialists uh, is where uh, we're going to see more
0: success that's that's exciting and you know it's it's very aligned with what we're trying to do um, at Asana Um, so thank you so much Raj you know look forward to having you back on the podcast uh, on another topic Um, and uh, meanwhile Sax and I will work on diversion therapies and um, exercise when we compare our um, stories around sore backs. So, um, we'll work hard on that and then we look forward to catching up uh, with you soon. Thanks so much. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
0: Thanks Raj. I want to hear more about medical marijuana. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks.